Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. Support for this podcast comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business in baht. Wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend and receive in different currencies fast. It's the easy way to connect all your finances internationally without any hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Min fees, maxis, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com forward slash podcast. Leute, habt ihr Bock darauf, eure Versicherung in den Griff zu kriegen und dafür 30 Euro Shoppinggutschein abzustauben? Hier ist übrigens Tara vom Podcast Tara sagt was und ich sage euch, ladet euch die Clark-App runter und nutzt bei der Anmeldung mein Code Tara sagt Clark. Alles groß und zusammengeschrieben. Da kriegt ihr nicht nur eure Verträge gecheckt, sondern ihr könnt euch auch kostenlos und unabhängig von den Expertinnen beraten lassen. Also probiert Clark aus und holt euch den 30 Euro Shopping-Gutschein für Ikea, Amazon und Co. mit dem Code Tara sagt Clark. The Global Story with smart takes and fresh perspectives on one big news story. Every Monday to Friday from the BBC World Service. Search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts to find out more. Some of the flavor notes that you can really expect from these teas would be highly floral really buttery sweetness that will come out of all of these green teas and white teas. In the shadows of the Himalayan mountains in eastern Nepal, we are tasting Nepali tea. For the darker teas, you'll really get caramel and honey notes along with that nice touch of floralness at the end. They have been cultivating tea here for more than 150 years. The pure, pristine irrigation that comes from the runoff of those Himalayan mountains, irrigating all of the tea that grows, it's the perfect place to grow tea. This small country's tea industry took a while to take off, but the story of Nepali tea has been one of growth, particularly over the last 20 years. Now it is trying to strengthen its identity in the shadow of powerful neighbors, China and India. But it is also in a fragile state because conditions for farmers and tea workers are so difficult that a new generation is not interested in picking the leaves. I am Fanindra Dahal, a BBC journalist based in Kathmandu. And for the documentary on the BBC World Service, we will be looking at why the tea industry matters to Nepal. We will be meeting the people who pick the tea on plantations and asking What does the industry need to do in order to survive? I am starting my journey an hour's flight southeast from Kathmandu and then an hour's drive north. This is the place most people living in Nepal associate with tea. I'm at Konyam. It is a center of tea activities in eastern Nepal. Dense fog has surrounded this area this afternoon on a bright, beautiful, sunny day. 
this place would look like a postcard. The Himalayan peak would be visible from here. It, still, there is a lot of enthusiasm and activities. There are people taking pictures in traditional Nepali attire. Uh, because this place is not only famous for tea gardens, it is a key tourist attraction in Nepal. 20% of the population in Nepal is below the poverty line. But that is down from 25% a decade ago. And it is hoped that tea could play a role in continuing the economic development of the country. I have come to Konyam out of season to meet the people away from the tourist center who depend on farming tea. Most of the tea grown around Konyam is a variety that is processed using traditional methods. This is orthodox or loose-leaf tea. We are now removing grasses and weeds. We'll do this till the third week of March. Then there will be new growth from the end of the month, the first flush. We'll start plucking the buds and leaves. One of the people I speak to is Sarswati Chamlagai, a tea state supervisor in Ilam, who oversees around 50 workers. Saraswati is 50 and started working on the tea plantation when she was 10. My family was large. I think hardship forced me to go and work in the tea plantation. Our parents' income wasn't enough to support us. There was no tradition of sending kids to school. I was 10 or 11 years old when I started. The tea bushes seemed tall at that time. I would put my feet on the branches of the bush and pluck the leaves. I have been working for 40 years and want to continue until my tenure completes. She's paid around 75 US dollars a month. That's half of Nepal's recommended minimum wage for workers in other sectors. For tea workers in Nepal, the pay is less than everyone else, and there are also concerns about working conditions and timely pay. In the past, there were 200 to 250 people working in a plantation. Now 50 to 60 people have to complete all the work. The area is the same. In every plantation, the manpower is reduced. We have to work in the monsoon and the winter. We as tea industry should be heading towards this direction of how can we protect these farmers who are getting older. Nishal Baskota is the founder of Nepal Tea Collective, a social enterprise on a mission to get one million farmers out of poverty by selling teas from Nepal to the world. Farmers who have given their entire life to making this industry happen, now is the time. It's already late, but the tea is not going to be there in the next two decades, honestly, if we don't take care of our farmers and really elevate them to the standards that's needed. My family has to work in the tea garden. We have no land. If the tea gardens don't flourish, I'm worried what will the next generation do? I do think that we have no concept in the West of how much effort, how much labor goes into making orthodox tea. Jenny Dodd owns a tea company located in New York. She focuses on bringing the highest quality handcrafted teas from around the world into the U.S. She spends most of her time in Nepal looking for new teas and helping producers compete in the global market. An orthodox tea 
it's the whole leaf as opposed to the cut up parts of the leaf. To get the most flavorful part of the tea is the very tip, the, what we call the bud. And it's the sweetest, most flavorful part of the tea bush. But it produces very little amount. So if you have a tea that's all bud, it takes so much effort to pluck enough to actually process it. If you think about the tea bush leaf as like an arm, as you're going down your arm, the leaves get bigger and they're not as flavorful, but they create more volume. So the further down you cut, the more volume of tea that you get. It's extremely labor intensive. You know, when you're on an incline, it's almost impossible to get a machine in there. It generally is hand-plucked, and this is a step that's often done by women because women tend to have better dexterity and are more fine with their plucking standards. Saraswati works on an orthodox tea bush plantation where whole leaves are picked by hand and mostly exported. We just pluck tea leaves and deposit that in the office. They will make the tea and package it. We hear that tea from Ilam goes to a foreign country, but we don't know. It doesn't get sold here. We don't even get to taste it. From the tea gardens at Konyam, you can see Darjeeling district just over the border in India. Nepal has historically looked to Darjeeling as a model of what can be achieved. Nepal's tea industry is very much interlinked with the tea industry in India and especially in Darjeeling. There's a very, almost like a symbiotic relationship that is going on geographically, socioeconomically, politically, and so we cannot ignore that fact. Nishchal Baskota of the Nepal Tea Collective. In Darjeeling, the British were really being able to kind of, you know, start the plantations and really getting the name out in the next century about Darjeeling and every single thing that made Darjeeling teas unique in the existing tea world. In the same time, Nepal, small little farms were starting to kind of think about teas, but it was only after a century, basically about a hundred years then around the mid-1950s is when there's a little more interest towards the tea industry itself. The two areas flow into each other culturally with an open border. Historically, it was the Nepalese who picked the tea in Darjeeling, and they still do today. The first tea factories started up in Nepal in the 1970s, and expertise from India flowed in. During this time, all of the machineries were coming from India. All of the tea makers that were teaching us how to make tea were from Darjeeling and other parts of India. So the easiest market for any of these teas that were being produced in the country was either domestic consumption or it was just right across the border, which is simple, fine, everybody's happy. It's a win-win situation for all. Today, half of the tea grown in Nepal is exported and 95% of those exports go to India. But in recent years, a rivalry has grown up. Darjeeling is the only place where from spring to summer, summer to monsoon, monsoon to autumn, if you look at the color, the flavor of the, and the taste of the tea, it moves from being floral to being spicy to being more full-bodied. And that is because of the unique terroir of the place. Spurs Agarwal is the founder of Dorji Teas and manager owner of the Heritage Selim Hill Tea Estate in Darjeeling. Darjeeling tea is protected by a geographical indication tag or GI. That's a sign used on products that have a specific origin 
and possess special qualities because of it. Of India's 10,000 tea gardens, only 87 classify as Darjeeling tea gardens. So to be able to tag the teas and to ensure that it does not get confused with any other region of India or any other neighboring bordering region like Nepal, the GI tag was created. However, the, the big issue with the GI tag is that even though it exists, its enforceability is still a regime that is not working very well. Every year, as of last year, the total Darjeeling tea consumption annually was about 50 million kgs. Darjeeling's 87 tea gardens only produces close to 8 million kilograms of Darjeeling tea. That means 4 in 5 cups of Darjeeling tea were actually fake Darjeeling teas. The sale of Nepali tea as Darjeeling tea has been happening for decades. But it accelerated in 2017 when the Darjeeling tea industry was affected by strikes for months. Global demand for Darjeeling was still high. The vacuum and the void that was filled in the global commodities trade for Darjeeling tea, that began to be filled up by the Nepal tea producers through these local tea traders in North Bengal. And much like how a tiger becomes a man-eater after it has tasted blood, and for, for them after that, it's difficult to go back to not being man-eating. Once you've tasted the fact that you can get somewhat sub-parties at a much at a significantly lower price, it is difficult for you to go back to buying those very high-quality teas at a higher price. So that's basically what happened. And then ever since 2017, it's been one crisis after another. By 2020, when we started seeing that, okay, Darjeeling is finally bouncing back on its feet, the pandemic hit. All of this leaves the Darjeeling tea industry in a very fragile place. Take the 87 tea gardens that are there today. 90% of them are on the verge of bankruptcy and collapse, including the one that I manage. A very low price, the authentic Darjeeling teas that the producers are making, we are not able to sell our total produce in the market at the price that we require to sell it at to be able to maintain uh, the kind of increasing costs that we are facing due to climate change. That's a real problem in the industry right now is a lot of tea gardens are taking a loss on their production costs so that they can sell the tea because we keep wanting to have the price go down when it actually should be going up. Jenny Dodd. While some on the Darjeeling side say that Nepali tea is inferior and may contain pesticides banned in Darjeeling, on the Nepali side, I spoke to people that claim that the quality of Darjeeling is improved by Nepali tea leaves. Like the industry itself, the tea bushes on the Nepali side of the border are younger than those in Darjeeling. I think the average age of the tea bush in Darjeeling is something like 80 years. In Nepal, it's 20 to 35 years. That produces different flavors in the tea. I think they each have their own separate identities, and that's the way forward for Nepal. They are their own unique identity. You are listening to the documentary on the BBC World Service. I'm Fanindra Dahal and in Storm Over a Teacup, I'm looking at the tea industry in Nepal. Namaskar, Namaskar, Namaskar. I have headed north up towards the Himalayan mountains to Jasvire. Here I meet Sarat Subba, who has set up a specialty tea factory. He was trained by Sonam Paljor Lama, a tea maestro from Darjeeling, who became his mentor and advisor. I just tasted tea 
black tea. The tea was very smooth and I I had a feeling that there was some taste of honey kind of, but it was not sweet. Around 30 different kinds of tea are produced here in the factory at Jospire. We are at an altitude of nearly 2,000 feet here. Nishchal Maskota explains the effect this has on the tea plants. You'll see a lot of volatility in the microclimate where there's going to be a little sunshine in the afternoon, but then it's going to be super misty in the mornings and the evenings. What that does is really uh, for the tea plants, it really allows them to create this defense mechanism to resist and kind of withstand those weathers and temperatures. So one of these major ones is called flavonoids, which completely translates into flavors. Sarat says that the art of tea is so deep that he thinks he has yet to master it. It is an endless journey. Firstly, the farmers bring us leaves from their tea gardens. Then we look at the type of tea, style of plucking, and grade them in different categories. Then we'll pour them in different withering troughs, so that the tea will dry. In Nepal, we don't sell much. We don't have a huge customer base in India. Foreign buyers love our tea. Over 80% of our tea is sold in Europe, USA and China. The factory buys tea leaves from 123 farmers in the surrounding villages. Tea is a really important source of income here. There is no other work, as factory worker Mina Subba told me. If the factory closed, our hands would be empty. We can't go for foreign employment at this stage. We'll have to hope that our children can do something. My husband is 45 and he can't go and work in a foreign country at this point. If the tea industry doesn't do well, it'll be difficult for us. Our tea is unique. Darjeeling tea has a long history. They have a good market because of their name. While talking with potential buyers, we often have to say that we're close to Darjeeling. It is difficult for us to do the marketing. We're new, so it's a struggle to brand our tea. The government also has to do something on this. It will take time for us to let everyone know that Nepal's tea is unique. Jenny Dodd imports high-quality tea from around the world into the United States. She thinks the market for high-end specialty tea could be key to Nepal's future in the industry. I particularly like to look to the wine industry. Table wine in France creates a higher price point than table wine in other countries. Why? Because they have the high-end wine that is creating the reputational market, and that means even their commodity wines are elevated in price. Tea is the same way. If Nepal would focus on creating high-end crafted artisanal teas, they would create a reputation for themselves that meant that even their commodity tea would be getting a, a better price. Sarat Subha tells me as I leave that there is a big challenge on the horizon. There has been no rain this winter. That could delay the first harvest and impact the quality of tea. It is something the whole region is facing, climate change. Spurs Agarwal, founder of Dorze Teas. Because of climate change, our harvest seasons are shrinking in size and the yield that we have is also reducing. We are also seeing free climatic conditions. During the summer season, you're seeing freak rainfall uh, incidents. Uh, during the monsoon season, you're seeing heat waves. 
so those are affecting your the kind of yield that you're getting in konyam where the lights of darjeeling district can be seen at night time i met members of the suryoday tea producers association set up 6 years ago to collectively raise the voice of tea producers and farmers we are mainly dependent in only one market that is india samir shrestha is a tea entrepreneur so india knows very well the volume of tea we produce and at what price we are manufacturing per kg all right so it is being difficult for us to you know put up our price in the market so you mean nepali tea that is produced in the suryoday tea state that is not getting due price that it should get in the market it should get in the market uh, this has been happening for the past 5 uh, years it has been uh, gradually decreasing who are those middlemen and brokers that no, actually, you are talking no, no. about uh, i'm not uh, pinpointing anyone but i'm saying there's a handful of indian buyers and brokers all right they are directly controlling the nepal tea market and the price we are getting now it has dropped by i think around uh, per kg at least around 50 to 60 rupees per kg in the last 5 years that's a drop of around 10% according to nepali farmers there are risks to being so dependent on one market because of bilateral trade agreements no tariffs are imposed on nepali tea going into india at the border but farmers are worried about that changing because there is lobbying going on by indian producers Gopal Kotel is the secretary of the association. If that happens, the cost of production will go up. The existing industry would collapse. We're making an income a little bit more than cost. Let's explore the market in China. This possibility with Russia. The Gulf countries can be a major market. If we're only dependent on India, the future isn't so bright for the Nepal's tea industry. They are landlocked country. to ship tea by air is incredibly expensive there's an interest in india also that they have their own tea industry that they want to protect and so that creates another challenge gopal kotel told me about another issue once it reaches india the history and legacy of nepali tea is over our tea will be blended in their teas and sold We want our tea to be sold in the world market under a logo of Nepali tea. We want to create an identity and sell our product in a dignified manner. This is one of our battles. Farmers I spoke to complained that the government is not doing enough to help them. But the government says it is trying to diversify the tea trade and help farmers get organic certification. Vishnu Prasad Bhatrai is the executive director of the Nepal Tea and Coffee Development Board. He says that they are working on getting geographical indication for Nepali tea. We had conducted a feasibility study of the GI of the Elam tea. That the finding of this research it is possible to conduct the GI in tea sector. GI is the most important activity to attain the international market of Nepal tea. On both sides of the Nepal-India border, the tea industry is facing challenges. They are being undercut by middlemen. And there is a universal issue affecting tea growers everywhere. We are not paying enough for our tea. What we really need to do, if we really want to help the growers and the producers, and this goes across the board for any agricultural industry, we have to pay a fair amount for the labor that is involved in creating that product. 
at the end of the day, that is the limiting factor no matter what. Because there can be no more money in the supply chain than what the consumer pays at the end of the day. That's it. My final destination is the Kanchanjunga tea state, again up in the elevation towards the Himalayas. This is Deepak Baskota's tea state and the first certified organic tea cooperative in Nepal. Nishal Baskota is his son. When you reach there, what you'll see is you'll see this tin structure of this nice little factory. And then what it overlooks is the third highest peak in the world. In a clear day, you're actually seeing Mount Kanchanjunga. That's where the factory gets its uh, name from. This was the idea where uh, the tea workers or the farmers would contribute their land to the factory. And then in exchange for that, they would receive the shares of the company. So the first cooperative model of the farm was born out of this uh, idea of community growth and really getting the community out of poverty. Nirananda Acharya is the manager of the factory and he showed me around. These are the withering troughs and uh, the withering process uh, depends upon the uh, type of teas uh, we are going to make. For example, if we are going to process green tea, then it is not necessary for withering. It's a kind of uh, handicraft. Tea processing is a kind of handicraft. Uh, so uh, this is an art also. Nowadays, a lot of young people, especially they prefer to migrate yes. in Middle East mm. countries and mm. Gulf countries. Mm. Have your tea state been impacted by this? All the tea gardens are affected by this problem. That means the workers are drained. They are going outside for a better job. Yeah. So to stop them going outside, we need to pay the better salaries. This is a narrow mountainous road. It is like an alley. It's a steep walk up to the tea gardens. I am meeting with a group of women who are putting compost manure around the tea bushes. You'll see a lot of these small little houses around the factory itself, which are the places where our workers uh, live. The Kanchanjunga tea state pays for farmers' housing and children's education, and they subsidize food cost. We have provided them scholarship for our workers' children, children who are going to school from nursery class to class 10, grade 10. Even still now we are supporting for the master's degree also. Some of the children, workers' children, they have joined the government sector job also. Do you have any rough numbers? How many people have benefited from these scholarships? Around 3,500 numbers. 3,500 already benefited? Yeah, benefited. 30, 40 years from where it was when it started to here, tea was the biggest catalyst for social change in this entire community. On my travels through the tea states of eastern Nepal, I saw how much this industry matters to the people working in it especially in remote rural areas. Businessmen told me of their love and hate relationship with neighboring India and the need to diversify their market. They felt Nepali tea is not getting due international recognition. And there were causes for hope. When I reached a factory in northeastern Nepal, a group of potential international buyers had just attended a tea testing event 
and finalize some purchase orders. Nishchal Baskuta and Jenny Dodd have similar views on the potential future for Nepali tea. With their really unique terroir, that's what they should be really focused on, is creating a unique identity for Nepalese tea. Challenges will always exist, but I personally want to see this more as a friendly competition and really like the wine industry where it's not about you are better than me or I am better than you. It's about how we are different. You have been listening to the documentary from the BBC World Service. The Global Story helps make sense of the headlines with expert analysis from BBC journalists around the world. Social media has essentially siloed a lot of young men and women into different algorithmic bubbles. Men and women inhabiting the same environment in the real world, but very different ones online. One Global Story at a time, in detail, every Monday to Friday from the BBC World Service. For those Russians who sympathise with Alexei Navalny, it will cast a, a very dark shadow. This looks like a message. Search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink, Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Support for this podcast comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business in BART. Wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. It's the easy way to connect all your finances internationally without any hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Min fees, maxis, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com forward slash podcast. (laughs) 